Hey, everybody, we have a really wonderful update on FLFE. Um, they have some exciting data coming out now because they decided to go into partnership with Dr. Gary Schwartz. Some of you have seen my previous interview with Dr. Gary Schwartz, who has been with the University of Arizona, Tucson, studying fields of consciousness of all kinds and validating their existence, which has given a lot of credibility to the world of psychical phenomena all the way to this technology now known as FLFE, Focus Life Force Energy. And so we're going to be talking with Jeff and Gary today about some wonderful new data that has come out, particularly on EMF mitigation and its effects on the people that are using FLFE. It's kind of long awaited. Also, its effect on crops and growing food, healthy, organic food. So let's go to Jeff and Gary. Hi, Gary. It's good to see you after all of these years. It's been about a decade. And I have to say, last time I saw you in the flesh, I believe, was when we were at the sushi counter at Harvey Nichols in London. And we had a conveyor belt going by with sushi on it. That's right. You have a good memory. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those random things. We were both in London and I had no idea you could get sushi off of a conveyor belt. <laughs> in, in the times of COVID, it would seem a little unsanitary now in hindsight. <laughs> anyway, it's good to see you. And, and we're going to find out how you became involved with FLFE. Jeff, it's so good to see you again. And why don't we start with how you came into collaboration with one another? Gary's pretty high profile. And I know that, Gary, you've worked in the areas of consciousness and energy and being able to measure such for the better part of your career, um, academic career. So that's brought a lot of legitimacy to these fields. So now we're looking at bringing data to Fluffy. So why don't we go to you, Jeff, first and find out how you and Gary came together. You and Clayton, FLFE and Gary came together. So we had a subscriber, Lewis Humphreys, just pop in and say, hey, I'm a subscriber. I'm having this extraordinary experience. What can I do to help? And he he had this experience with his pool. So every FLFE's property has has a uh, vortex and his vortex happened to be in his pool. So every time he went in his pool, he would get these incredible experiences. So Lewis joined the research team and became you know, the head of our research team. And he is in the University of Arizona at the uh, uh, called Tech Launch. It's part of the uh, licensing and and uh, helping new new companies with new ideas and new patents, perhaps research through the university grow. And so he's been a great great uh, uh, influence on the research team. But then I'll pass it to you, Gary. He he had met you or already knew you. Yes, I've known Lewis because of. The work, some of the work that I do involves technology transfer and technology transfer is the office that he works in. And he is one of the few technology transfer people in the country, I think at any university, whose interests are broad enough to address extraordinary kinds of technologies. And the research that we do, for example, on what's called the soul phone, on developing spirit communication technology, certainly falls within that arena. And he, when we were working on that particular area, he said, I have met this group of people who are doing extraordinary work. 
and they are they are doing work that's profoundly important for humanity and they're evidence-based they really care about bridging science and spirituality in fact they even see business as a spiritual practice a spiritual path and so they said maybe you could help them in their their quest for discovering what's real about what they're doing and so after a bit of time i was introduced to Clayton and Jeff, some of the uh, other members, and I became, um, I would have to say, literally in awe of their commitment to truth-seeking and following the evidence where it leads. And that's how it started. I couldn't agree more with that. I've known them for quite a while now, and I have the exact same observation. In fact, off of you were doing a uh, a larger event, and you happened to make this comment, and I wrote it down because it's so true. You said, you are you were talking to the members of the group of FLFE and you said you're a very unusual group of people on a very exceptional mission. And I think I have mentioned this before that I don't think this is really from here. It's almost like it's a technology that's come through from another time, another dimension and is here now for us to use and requires the utmost responsibility and care. And certainly everyone I've I've, I've dealt with it. Fluffy has exemplified that. So I, I know that sounds like that's your point of view on it, too. If you want to explain a little more what happened once you became familiar with the technology a bit. Yes, I am. Whenever I approach a new area, which is particularly when it's controversial, I take a um, my writing point once described me as being an orthodox agnostic. And what that means is in plain English is whether the question is, is there gravity or is there God? It doesn't matter what the question is. My response is, I don't know. Could be yes, could be no. Show me the data. I'm open. Mm-hmm. And the question was, as I from, came to learn about epilepsy, and, um, I, and I like the term fluffy, by the way. Um, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> We've resisted over the years, but we've done it But the... You know, there were there were a couple of issues here. Number one, was what they were doing, was it possible to actually collect data that could confirm or disconfirm um, the claims that they were making and reporting? That was question number one. And question number two was, did the people who were in the organization, who co-founded the organization, did they really care about knowing? And not just knowing because so they could develop a, quote, business, but more importantly, knowing with the goal of enhancing understanding, enhancing consciousness, enhancing evolution, uh-huh. and so on. And I became convinced, and it probably was over a year of meetings, that um, they were a truly exceptional group of people, and therefore the it was worth doing the work to see whether there was a real phenomenon here. Right. Wonderful. I'm so glad you made that decision. So what you brought to the table is you understand from an academic perspective in particular, how to create the correct kind of protocols, surveys, etc, to make legitimate research out of um, in this case, what we're going to be talking about is out of user experience. And rather than just having a, a collection of anecdotal stories. So let's talk about what that means. And without getting too technical, because we want to get on to the stats, um, 
What that means, how do you create a survey that reflects science based on user experience? Well, it begins with, first of all, the fact that FLFE was already getting information um, from, because people are provide tremendous testimonials. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are, as you know, people are constantly sharing their experiences. And because they had a wealth of this experience and because they, they keep records, they keep data, it's so wonderful, it was possible to look and see what were the most frequent reports that tended to generalize across people. And the team, um, and particularly Jeff and Maria, they were able to put together a list of what they thought were the most frequent um, empirically based on spontaneous testimonials. Right. And then from that, we call this quote, the low hanging fruit. And by the way, if there isn't fruit and it's not low hanging, why would one want the service in the first place? <laughs> so the low hanging fruit is not a criticism or taking the easy route. It's getting at the core, the essence of what you're looking for. And so what we then did was we structured a set of formal questions and rating scales that could easily be understood by by any person, by a lay person, an academic or whatever, so that people could literally score the extent to which they were experiencing different sets of items. And the question was, if you gave this now to a large group of people, could you obtain, create an instrument that would that would have um, internal validity and reliability and could quantify the degree to which people were actually reporting these kinds of experiences. And we included in that certain critical questions, probably the most important one from my vantage point was a question about expectancy. To what extent did, as I look back over their experience, was did they, were the effects that they experienced less than equal to or greater than what they expected when they came into the right the service. Yes. Okay. So now we need to get down to some of that because what was interesting and an area that really gets people excited is the EMF mitigation. And I, I've already told you this privately, I think, Jeff, but I feel like such a dope in that I've had Fluffy on my phone and on my home. We're going to talk about plants in a moment and what you've done with some experiments there. But the EMF um, mitigation part, I never really thought when I travel, I travel a lot. I'm in hotel rooms a lot to put my phone next next to my bed on the bedstand and nightstand. And I started doing that um, accidentally at a hotel because there was nowhere else to plug it, you know, except the bathroom. And I thought, well, it was a great night's sleep. I I didn't seem to be wiggling around much. And same thing the next night. And I thought, what's different here? And I thought, because usually it was bothersome. I thought, wait a minute, I've got Fluffy on right next to my head here. And so I started experimenting at other hotels since I've been traveling. Now I can actually go back to one of my favorite hotels and stay there. I stopped because there was so much EMF noise. I was having like uh, felt energy kind of running up and down my legs and stuff. And so anyway, I was blown away thinking I had that device the whole time with me on my cell phone and wasn't using it. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's get into your EMF experiment with the larger basis of people, not my little anecdote. Sleep is one of the things that's top of the list in, you know, so, so Gary did some work and found, found a study 
And then we've had now had two studies. One was a kind of before and after survey with the EMF, this kind of self, self-identified EMF sensitives within the, the FLFE community who heard about us, heard us talking about, you know, this coming EMF mitigation. And um, they said, you know, put me in the beta group. So we did a before and after with them. And then we just finished this EMF sensitive studies with a researcher from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, But man, sleep is at the top of those lists, like consistently. So I really, yeah, I understand what you were going through there. Like going to a strange hotel. In the world. Now I can kind of sleep pretty well wherever I am, where EMF has been a factor. And that is shockingly most places. Certainly if you're staying in high density housing, apartment buildings, um, mm-hmm. even neighborhoods with uh, closely um, spaced housing and so forth. It's a, kind of shocking how much our bodies are up against right now. And I think it's related to like restlessness, anxiety, feeling of stress that people also you know say there are symptoms that they feel and things that we looked at and those may be part of why it's hard to sleep but those are kind of also symptoms that people who are especially sensitive to emfs and it may be at some scale many people may be feeling this and not realize it yeah um concentration brain fog kind of tinnitus kind of ear ringing type sounds, tightness in the face, irritation, headaches. Those are some of the things that people uh, experience and we looked at in the in the research. Yeah, and you have it by scale and you have some graphics. We're going to throw a couple graphics in as we go here. So, Gary, let's look uh, at uh, something else that had happened simultaneously. So you're getting this uh, survey information back from people who are telling you how they're now experiencing their reality in terms of sleep and all these factors that Jeff just mentioned. But you also came across another study out of the Netherlands, which was very interesting in its implications to this study. So let's just set up in the bones of what was that other so- study showing? The other study was very important because they were approaching this in terms of mitigation by removing technology that you're exposed to. And of course, if you are sensitive, for example, to cell phones one or particular phones, one way to do this is to eliminate that phone. If you've got problems with Wi-Fi, turn, turn it off, certainly at night. You know, there are a bunch of techniques that one can use to attempt to either eliminate or reduce some of this technology or protect yourself from it. And when they went through their the reports that people had when they did these techniques and they looked and they rank ordered the the symptoms that were most likely to change when people experienced positive benefits. It was the same profile of symptoms sleep that right FLV was top. observing and sleep was right at the top. Okay. Um, it was quite an fatigue and it was just it was, it was, when you see that kind of replication across country, across purpose, but you see here, what FLFE is doing is mitigation by, by changing the environment and the people's ability to live in that environment, yes. um, which benefits us in the 21st century. 
Oh, absolutely. So rather than having to turn everything off um, or get rid of it or, you know, put it put it in the garage or in the car or something, <laughs> everything can stay as is. And Fluffy is showing that it is mitigating these things. Um, and th that's why I thought that other study was so fascinating to hold up against it, because it gave you some empirical evidence that the exact same effects were happening. So it's the number one was sleep right and then there's also concentration and tell us another of the top say four or five that are, are very significantly impacted as we'll see on this graph in a moment well fatigue was next you mm -hmm. know after sleep which kind of goes together if you don't get enough sleep you're probably fatigued but there was um concentration. In, in the netherlands study it was restlessness what they called restlessness which um we didn't use exactly the same words, you know, in, in our studies, but but uh, feeling of anxiety or stress, you know, could fall mm -hmm. into that as well. And um, and then they they had um, um, the tinnitus and the headache and the tight band was yeah, pain in the head area. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that covered the, the top ones. And that was pretty much the same in your study. So we see here we're looking at. 62% reduction in terms of the sense of stress in the study. 60% said they had more energy. 57% said they had better sleep, right? Correct. I mean, we should qualify because especially with someone like myself who does research at various levels, that the research that that FLFE is doing and most of these other groups are doing is what's called phase one research, mm -hmm. which means that you're trying to collect enough data to see is something happening. And once you have enough data to know that something is happening, that's when you want to embark on what are called phase two studies, where you do the double blinding and all the other controls that you want to do to try to understand how something is working and what the mechanisms are. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. This is specifically aimed at looking at the effects of of EMFs. And certainly one of the things that is encroaching upon the world, uh, certainly in uh, dense populations in large cities around the world, is 5G. Now, we did a show before on 5G and just some of the original um, some of the original uh, visuals on that by way of Konstantin Karakov's uh, work. And so we were showing that it was kind of flattening the line of that spiky frequency with 5G. That was two or three years ago. 5G is much more prevalent now. Uh, what do you, both of you have to say about 5G, what you're seeing and how Fluffy seems to be handling it from what you know? Jeff, what would you say? Well, again, um, you know, looking at the studies, you know, trying to find those good studies that really are, are looking at the effects with large numbers of people. We don't have, we're not doing those yet, besides what we're, we're presenting here today. Mm -hmm. But what we hear from our customers is there was a lot of concern as it started to roll out. Was, you know, was Fluffy really, was the environment really going to mitigate these new, right. these new influences? And 
we have found that it has. Um, we have some very, very sensitive people who are on the service. And, um, you know, we've got testimonials from them saying, basically, I can't go out without my phone. Mm -hmm. And when I forget my phone and I go under a, um, you know, 5G tower, I feel sick and I'm dizzy and I'm disoriented. Uh -huh. um, when I take the FLFE phone with me, I feel okay. Now, if I stay, you know, what these testimonials say is when I stay under that tower for an extended period, then I start to not feel good. Right. So it doesn't seem, from that I'm um, kind of extrapolating, it's not 100% mitigation. You know, uh -huh. there's some, is there's there's a bubble that's assisting and there's mitigation, but it may not be a hundred percent. Okay, and so it's are you going to be doing any more kind of direct studies on five G in the future, or is that going to be continue to be part of the EMF bundle and user experience study? Well, we plan to do an extension or a replication of the uh, study using the. Uh, um, Melissa Waterman's yes. equipment, the, uh, you know, the, the um, discharge. Yeah, Sorry, what's my... called, uh, Gary, what, what is the name of, I always. It's G a gas G discharge visualization system, GDV. GDV. Correct. That's the wonderful scientist, Rus uh, Russian man, Konstantin Karakov's original technology, just right. beautiful fellow. His work complements what you're doing so well. So anyway, yeah, she measured it. It was it was pretty stunning, and we can in fact take a look at that little graph. And what we're seeing there is uh, the red frequencies were, as I recall, the red frequencies right. were five G, and then the blue came in, and you could see how it, it even and knocked everything down from being previously very spiky. So that was pretty significant. Just when I saw that the first time, it was encouraging. So okay, now. This is, we've just been talking about uh, EMFs, and now I want to go to um, your studies with plants and what what FLFE has been doing with plants and crops. And you did a significant study out of Saskatchewan, as I recall. And I think it's also significant that it was during a drought, not the mm -hmm. most advantageous conditions, <laughs> nonetheless. Yes, yeah, studies are studies, and we have to see what you came up with. So tell us about the intention of that, because we teased it last time I talked to you. What actually happened? How much? How many acres were involved in the control and fluffy? And what ended up coming out of that? Well, yes, it was it was a drought year. Um, I checked with the farmer; they were not irrigating that field. That's what I was wondering. It's a little different in Canada. And the, the North American drought monitor, if you go to that, you can see where the farm was located in 2021. And it was in moderate drought, what they called moderate drought. So it wasn't severe drought, but it was still what they considered a drought. The farmer that we worked with is an FLFE subscriber. Again, we see things seem to come from the subscribers. He wanted to put the service on his uh, entire property. We said, well, hey, let's do a study. And what we're looking for, and I'll put a plug in, we'd love to find more farmers, um, organic farmers, that's we're only working with organic farmers who would like to do a study with us. And what was really significant about this farm was 
um, they had the equipment that could tell us by acre what the what the uh, yield was mm-hmm. of the plant. So so we had um, relatively large control area and then an FLFE area that was smaller that we um, could get we could break we broke it down into sections so that we could get enough data for Gary to do a statistical analysis and we were able to get a high level of I'll let you talk about the statistics of it Gary but we were able to get an average of over 22 percent increase in yield in a you know moderate drought year and that was just one of the stats because you also had increase in the foliage and the the leafing and the depth of the roots which was statistically fabulous so gary let's talk about that well these are actually multiple studies what's important for example about the both the um the leaf study the the root study and the um and this wicker farm study is that they were all done blind so that the you know farmer didn't know what the, which part of the fields if I, if I remember correctly and of course the um uh in the in the plant studies the first pe- people running the experiments didn't know which particular housing of the plants was receiving the flfe or not right which is essential if you're going to draw conclusions and still under those you know more rigid what are called phase two kinds of experiments clear statistical significance in these studies um, emerged. And, you know, one of the things we, we we don't typically attribute placebo effects to plants. Now, granted, mm-hmm. plants may very well, of course, have consciousness, right. so right. they may pick out some things from <laughs> us in a paranormal sense. And, of course, our, our, our consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that it tells us this is not just a simple, quote, experimenter effect. It's not just sort of a belief. The same issue even goes back to the customer experience survey, because what we found was that two thirds of this large sample, over 300 people, two thirds of these people reported that the effects of FLFE were greater than they expected. Mm -hmm. And they simultaneously reported the greatest um, degree of benefits. So again, it's not a simple expectancy effect. It's not a simple placebo effect. There's something real going on here. And that's to be celebrated. Absolutely. And 22% in terms of crop yield is very significant. If every farm and no less organically in a drought year. Um, I love that. Now I have a question to ask you. I have... I have an unbearable problem with crabgrass the last few years. Is Fluffy doing that? <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> I have never seen such wicked amount and depth of roots. And I know they have the taproot that goes to hell, they say, but I, there's nothing we can do to get rid of the amount of crabgrass. On this Wait, <laughs> I have to ask a question. <laughs> Is it your sense that there's more or less water? Are there any other variables that you're aware of that might no. explain this? No, okay. and it's the last few years. It's just been. I don't do you know, know what the. Do you know what the definition of a weed is? What? The definition of a weed is a plant that you don't like. <laughs> That's what the definition of a weed is. But plants are plants, and so I would hope, all things being equal, yep. that Fluffy would be able to nourish almost anything that was 
natural and that could, you know, be part well, of the ecology. Yeah, the fact that we don't like it in our gardens. Yeah. I think that's, you know, less. <laughs> yeah. It just it didn't occur to me till just now that might be why it's so darn healthy. Um, but, you know, in some places in the world, it's called Bermuda grass and people just shave it off and call it a yard. But when it's choking out all your other pretty plants, anyway, of course, it to me that might be why it's so why it's so hardy. But let's talk about what people uh, kind of anecdotally are experiencing in terms of their their gardens, in terms of, f- I know flower freshness, a lot of people comment on the fact that even their cut flowers seem to last quite a long time. So what are you hearing about plants on the domestic front? Well, the, the plant experiments are done with standard FLFE, which is what we see from customers, but also we have an experimental uh, enhanced FLFE for plants, which is was used in the in the study, in several of the studies that we have. What customers are saying um, is there a noticeable difference before and after of plant growth. And for me, I see our orchids. I used to have just, I guess, I don't know, uh, a brown thumb in regards to orchids. I'd buy an orchid, <laughs> it would let you know it last some amount of time, and then it would just be a stick, right, for, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and now we have a whole wall of orchids that continually bloom. I mean, they lose their bloom, a new one comes. I mean, nice. almost, literally, there's just maybe a week in between or two. And my neighbor who walks his dog up and down the street has got a south facing window full of orchids like ours. And he keeps saying, why aren't my orchids blooming like your orchids? Watering, we're both watering the same amount. You know, we told him just water, you know, one cup or just, you know, we have a little thimble full that we do each plant each week. Mm -hmm. He's doing exact same thing and he's not getting the, the orchid wow. blooms that we are cool so you can capitalize on those trader joe's inexpensive orchids and create a whole wall of them i guess that's yeah. very cool hey thanks for sharing that um i because i know all of it anybody listening is we're all kind of looking at how can this enhance our personal lives i mean we're i'm interested in the data and studies but in the end we all want to enhance our personal lives and one of the areas that you're just starting to go into and play with a little bit is structured water with FLFE. And I don't know if you're prepared to talk about that just yet. Yeah, we we're doing a beta group um, of about 36 people now with uh, what we're, we either call it super water or magic water. Or we're not sure what to call it yet, but where we have a photograph of the water bottle and we, we are bringing that water to 850 on the Hawkins map, which is very extraordinarily high. high because that when we did our kinesiology testing that was the optimal consciousness level for food and water for it to to absorb and so we have a group that are trying this and taking notes and we'll be comparing those notes um shortly and then we'll we'll move into some hopefully lab research in gary's lab on water um what i notice is um I use kinesiology to measure my my hydration. And I was having a really difficult time on a parallel scale to a thousand where thousands the most appropriate hydration for me getting above 400. I mean, I was drinking literally 
48 ounces of water four times a day. Oh my gosh. And I couldn't get it above 400. So we put this program on and I'm at like two 48 ounce bottles and I'm at 900 plus almost all the time on that same scale. Mm -hmm. So I didn't expect that to happen. Um, But man, I feel great. I feel so much um, just neutrified. You know, when it, what once I thought was hunger and I would be snacking all the time, when my thirst is satisfied, that wasn't occurring. That's interesting because that is what I've heard from other people in the field of medicine is oftentimes when we're thinking we're hungry, we're actually thirsty. We're just not, somehow our cells aren't absorbing. So you're having that experience where you're becoming satiated. And we'd love to get what are the, what's the scientific, you know, lab results that you could get there is the ph changing is is the um viscosity somehow changing you know what does that look like um and it's part of how does a high consciousness field affect us in our lives um so this this water bottle program is coming to flfe in the next couple of months so um but we also you know water in the normal fluffy field is higher consciousness than, than than the normal because everything in the fluffy field is higher than than the normal environment so so people do notice that when they start on FLV that the water is different um, but now we're taking it to the next level uh, with this water bottle program that's fabulous good I'm looking forward to that um Gary uh, this is something I think everybody's wondered since we first started talking about Fluffy uh, several years ago now, and that is um, people want to know what it looks like. And my understanding is that you're beginning to play with the notion of using biophotonics to be able to capture a visual representation of what FLFE looks like. What, tell, what is that about? How is that going to work? Well, it's a really good question, because from a scientific point of view, you have to ask the question, are you looking for structure in just a room or an environment, or are you looking for fluffy when it is manifest as it interacts with something that is receiving it? And that question about whether it's just, quote, in the air, or whether you need it to be received and then process the the energy in that context is something that we that we will be looking at when we start doing the biophoton imaging this fall. But Jeff has some specific predictions about what he will see. (laughs) Well, we know that from intuitives that can see uh, the more subtle energies that there is this vortex shape that is where the FLFE energy comes in. So I would love to see that in a biophoton. You know, that that my prediction would be that there would be some photonic activity in that boundary level where that subtle energy is kind of coming into the space. Um, but what I would really love to see is the level of consciousness of say an object, say if you had um, a crystal or a plant or something in in the box, in the dark box where the biophoton experiment's taking place, 
and you step up the energy, you get, you know, 500 on Hawkins map, 600, 700, 800, 900. And that's, we know that's logarithmic, that we, I would look for a logarithmic increase in the photon activity, you know, to match that. Interesting. Which what am I experiencing? I was just going to say, you could, that could lead you to an instrument that could read the level of consciousness of an environment. Oh, yeah. That would be exciting. What are you going to say about that, Gary? Well, what I was going to say is that one of the things that I find so fascinating and inspiring about FLFEs uh, is that not only is it, first of all, driven by customer experiences and what people experience first, which they then use to examine and pursue what, what the effects are. But secondly, is that the predictions with regard to, for example, biophotons or water or plants and so forth, they're all testable. Mm -hmm. they're, they're all, you can, you can bring them into a, under controlled circumstance and get an answer one way or another. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that the FLFE senior people, as well as my sense of the company as a whole, is everybody's enthusiastic for the quest to discover what's real. Absolutely. Uh, intellectual honesty going on there. Okay, I have a question now for myself and anybody else listening. We're talking about biophotonics. We were talking about Constantine's device, the GDV, a little bit ago. What What is the difference in what they're measuring so we can look forward to what this all you know, means? Well, the GDV is a device um, um, which is a, like, quote, Curlian photography. Mm -hmm. And that technology means that you are imposing a high voltage, high frequency, low current to a source, be it a leaf of a plant or to, a, to water. I mean, it's going through the system. And then you're looking for the glowing that is produced by the interaction of the energy with the object that is being uh -huh. recorded um and so it's an active intervention process but because it has very sophisticated um uh, measurements that uh, that constantine and his team have developed including their measures of what they call entropy or variability which is the graph that you are referring to you can you can look at a lot of parameters but those are responses to things that are in the environment which is uh -huh. what i was talking about all that, you know, response to plants or whatever. Biophoton imaging is, is of course, light that's being emitted. They're biophotons, meaning they're biological photons. But the equipment is just general purpose, super sensitive, low light CCD cameras, which are looking in a pitch black environment. Our camera is cooled to minus 77 degrees centigrade okay. when it's doing its recordings. So you're measuring any photons in the environment. And if the if the, those photons are being emitted by a biological source, they're called biophotons. And that's how you are going to be able to get a picture of what Fluffy looks like? That is the hypothesis. That's exciting. I, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I want to see its geometrical structure because of the levels of consciousness involved. I'm guessing it's going to be quite lovely, but 
you know, we're all supposing right now that experiment has yet to be conducted. So before we sign off here of all of the work you're doing right now, what is really kind of what what are you um, most excited about continuing the development of and anything else we haven't covered that's new that uh, is coming up down the pike? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's about our evolution. So that's that's our mission is supporting the evolution of consciousness. So what we're working on are some ways to help that besides the environment. So the pristine environment, the mitigating and BMFs, all of those things can help us to kind of relax into who we are. And we're working on a uh, meditation program that would be a med- kind of a you, you push the button and you start your meditation and it has certain length of time and then we would bring in energies that would be specifically helpful for meditation and for our evolution so for me that's where i get the most excited is how can we continue to evolve as race and individually so they a person will be able to hit a button as you say in the on your program in the computer and you'll be able to take say a given space and bring it to a certain frequency level or is there something else embedded in that well it's similar to the boosts that we have currently on on the service we have a 600 boost mm-hmm. and now we have an 850 boost i know you're familiar with the 850 yes field which Beautiful. is you know unusually high high level of consciousness so so we have this uh sort of optimizing and and uh, aligning boost at 850 so this meditation will be like that it's a boost that when you when you push the button we're able to um in that for that particular property to raise the level of consciousness and yes we would be adding other things so we'd look at what we're looking at okay where are meditations really fruitful for our for evolution Mm-hmm. You know, Tibetan monasteries, places in India where there's practices, there's energy fields there or consciousness fields there that support people to evolve. And that's what we'll be bringing into that environment, those uh, consciousness wonderful. fields. I have used the 850 boost, and it's impossible to even really have negative thoughts when you're sitting in it. It's also kind of hard to um, do a lot of mundane tasks while you're in it. I found that you really need to set aside a little bit of quiet and time to just move into that field and use it appropriately, which is in a much more high consciousness way. It's beautiful. But what you're talking about here, which is interesting, you just mentioned monasteries a moment ago, so what this has the potential to do is for people who go out into the world, who go to monasteries, who go to sacred sites around the world because they want to experience the energy. What I'm hearing you say is you should be able to create that field in your own home. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, with the FLFV technology, yeah. we're able to port or move those consciousness fields or connect with those consciousness fields around the world mm-hmm. and bring them into the home. And we already do that with FLFE at this current level. Um, but as you said, we have to work and, um, you know, function in the world. So we can't be at that super high <laughs> level all the all time. The time. <laughs> yeah, maybe eventually we'll get there where we could just turn it up and leave it up. Not but, yet. 
Not, Not yet, for sure. So beautiful if you have a, a, some time every day dedicated to it. It's lovely. Thank you for that. So you're really jazzed about the expansion of consciousness that's possible through using the technology. So I'll ask you, Gary, what has you most jazzed right now? What has me most jazzed? It's very hard to, to pick one thing. It's sort of like you're in this garden of opportunity of all these beautiful questions, be they micro questions or macro questions. And the amazing thing is that FLFE is the kind of environment where you can address these different levels of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I too am most, I mean, if you really pushed me on this, I would say it's really to get at the heart of the deepest theoretical question, which is how is it possible for this technology with these intentions to have an effect in the in the physical world and 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 that's the and it's the bridging of human intention and higher intention um that for me is now we're seeing a window of opportunity to start approaching that and therefore the bridge the the relationship between the physical and the and the greater reality is uh going to become more and more open to us that's the $64,000 question. How does this all actually fit and work together? It does. And the proofs of that are just, well, you have your work cut out for you, but it's a beautiful journey. So anyway, both of you, um, thank, and if unless you have final thoughts, we'll say goodbye for now. I'm very excited about what you're finding out with the EMF net mitigation. Uh, also with plants, and I have to rethink my relationship to crabgrass. <laughs> okay. But beyond that, uh, and then the meditation spaces and water. So I think we've covered a fair amount of ground. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Thank you for having us. It's great, great to be with you, Regina. That's it's always quite, quite a journey. Always and ditto from me. It's good to see you too again, Gary, after all this time. So we'll catch up when you have more data in next time, because we all like to crunch a little data. And uh, thank you again, just for everything you do and for bringing this incredible technology and experience to all of us. I know most of the people I know have it now, and we wouldn't live without it again. So anyway, thank you so much. For those of you who are not already on the FLFE program, I know many of you are, but if you want to check out what's going on or play with those booths and such, you can go to flfe.net. Now, if you don't know anything about this, if you haven't experienced it, and if you are EMF sensitive, anyone EMF sensitive, please reach out through the site to them and become part of their next study. They're going to continue these studies and the studies are getting larger and larger and they need people who are EMF sensitive. You don't have to pay for that. That's that's free. So you'll be able to be on the program uh, while you're part of that study. So again, flfe.net. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. <laughs>